so excited uh, to have with us a special guest speaker. And uh, just a couple years ago, I had an opportunity to go and be a part of a national uh, leaders and missions conference in Zambia and was invited by Bishop Juden to be a part of that. And Dr. Gorvet and I had an opportunity to go and uh, to be a part uh, of that conference. And around that conference, we had an opportunity to travel with Bishop Juden through various places in his area of responsibility and got to see different ministry sites and locations and got to see him uh, serving the people that God has put him in his role to serve. And uh, it didn't take long for me, though I had never met him um, before I arrived in Zambia. It didn't take long for me to come to love this man. He loves the Lord, he loves the church, and he is a servant. Uh, and he's got an amazing deep voice. And uh, as, I, as I spent time with him at that conference and, and in the months since then, just having an opportunity to build relationship as we've messaged back and forth, um, uh, I'm just so excited that you get to hear from this man today. So Bishop Juden, would you join me up here on the platform and let's give him a warm welcome. Brother, we're so glad to have you with us, and I just want you to share. I, I don't know if they're going to be as lively as some of the congregations you speak to in Zambia, but I'm, I'm hoping that they're going to enter in to make you feel comfortable and welcome here. I do love the fact that he is representing Indiana Wesleyan University <laughs> right here. So um, I want to pray for you, and then I'm going to let you share whatever you want to share. Thank you. God, right now, I just want to pray for Bishop Juden. I lift him up to you. I'm thankful, God, for this man, the way he loves you, the way he loves your church. And I'm asking right now, God, that you would anoint him to share your word with us. And God, as you anoint him to share, would you anoint us to hear? And may we receive everything that you have for us this morning. And for all that you do, we'll give you the thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, I've been already introduced. My name is Juden. Thank you so much for having me to come and stand before you and be the guest speaker for today. I want to say thank you, Dr. Chris for allowing me to take the pulpit. This does not simply come unless God touches your heart. And thank you for your generosity to allow me to share your pulpit. Thank you, Dr. Govet, the district superintendent for Crossroad District. I do not take this moment lightly. You are generous. You, together with the Lakeview Wesleyan Church, you have made my visit possible. You've been a very big source of encouragement to the entire church in Zambia for the love that you shared with us when you were with us. Your inviting me speaks a lot of things to the church in Zambia. I'll be failing if I do not say thank you to my wonderful friend and partner in ministry, Dr. Henry Smith. I know he's with us, but I'll ask him to rise wherever he is. 
Oh. <clears throat> Many of you may know who Dr. Henry Smith is, but allow me to say something about him which makes him so special this morning. Dr. Smith came as an advisor who was helping us with information on how we can establish Africa Wesleyan University in Zambia. And we requested him if he would be the first principal. And I want to tell you that um, this man has helped the church understand what it may take to establish a university in Africa. So thank you that this morning you have come to be part and parcel of this wonderful worship service. My first time to visit Indiana Wesleyan University in 2019, it is him who brought me here. It was that time that I requested Reverend Pat Bray, the wife to John Bray, who was the Dean of Students, Dean of the Chapel at Indiana Wesleyan University. I requested her to say, I will not be satisfied in my heart if I do not step foot at any of the Wesleyan churches in Imarion. So one of the churches she brought us to was this one. It was during the week we packed outside. And I couldn't hold myself, but just say a prayer. I can't even remember the details of that prayer, but I prayed for your church, not knowing that it would be the first church in America, in USA, where I will share a message. And thank you so much today that you have given me this opportunity. Amen. I'll tell you a little story before we go into today's message. I was in my third year in college. I was invited to take part in a revival meeting as our culture in Zambia. In that revival meeting, the pastor who was leading the church was a, a layman. He was not trained as I was being trained. And the women's leader for that church passed on or went to be with the Lord during the revival meeting. The pastor said, you are being trained, me, I'm not trained, so you will be in charge of the funeral. That was my first funeral to conduct as a pastor in training. I will save you from a lot of issues that you may not understand about the story, but I will try to summarize it and it go to one element of the story. During the burial, I was asked to commit the body. I did the body committal as I thought I should do it. And after that, I told the men who were having shovels to begin burying the body. And an elderly man told me, no, you have skipped a very important step. You need to invite all the relatives, starting from the eldest relative to the youngest, to come and also put the soil as you have done it. Now, I've seen that in many Christian funerals that is done, not just in Zambia, but elsewhere. But in Zambia, it was very important that the community leaders also participate in putting the soil in the grave 
because most of those funerals, they never had a, medical, a qualified medical doctor certify that the patient is really dead. So the only way you will be comfortable with conducting that burial is when the entire family participates in committing the body. So I learned it at that funeral that it is important that you do not do something that is very important without the blessings of the leaders of that family and that society. When I came to USA this time around, I want to report that I'm glad that I've met the leaders of the Wesleyan Church in America. I met the general superintendent. I'm so thankful to the reception that he gave me. I met the leader for the Global Partners, Dr. Dennis Jackson. I met the district superintendent. Together with his wife, they accommodated me so well. I'm so glad that I'm coming to your church, Dr. Chris, with the blessings of all these other leaders. In short, I should say thank you to everyone. Now, many of you might have heard about the Wesleyan Church in Zambia, which is called Pilgrim Wesleyan Church. Again, let me not take you into the history of why we maintain the name Pilgrim. But I want to say the Pilgrim Wesleyan Church of Zambia is part of the International Wesleyan Church that exists in more than 100 countries worldwide. In Zambia, the church has been in existence for almost 100 years, since 1930. We exist in 16 districts. Some of those districts really don't qualify to be districts, but are areas, as we call them. As Pilgrim Wesleyan Church of Zambia, we are running, or we have, 476 local churches that are spread across the country, but mostly in the southern part of the country. We run 16 primary and secondary schools. And this year, the government split some of our schools, giving us extra six schools. That adds a lot of responsibility upon the work we are doing as a church. God has blessed us also with a ministry to the suffering people in their bodies, those that are sick, by allowing us to run four healthy facilities. So we have four hospitals that are run by the Wesleyan Church. And we have two colleges. One, it is a college of education, and the other one is a college of nursing. We are believing God for bigger things. And I'm moving to the biggest step which actually makes our relationship with you very unique. In 1930, I was, in, no, in 1990, more than 30 years ago, I was still in my primary school. The leaders of our church then decided that we are going to have a university. But it has taken us all these years talking about this dream. I thank God that the dream didn't die. 
At the time I was becoming bishop of the church in 2021, one of the tasks that the church gave me so much at the, that national conference was to make sure that this university gets registered and it is officially opened. The task which has lived with us since 1990 seemed like something too big for me to surmount. I didn't know where to start from. God raised many people like Henry Smith and others who said we will stand with you. In running with this vision, I am excited to the Lord that all the former national superintendents who were before me are with me. Some of them are helping even in fundraising. This gives me so much joy. And more than that, other people who have never been to Zambia, like you, Lakeview Wesleyan Church, have believed our story and have bought in into this vision. And you've said we are ready to stand with you. This ministers to my spirit so much. Today, one of my excitements is that I'm delivering a sermon on the last day of the year. Tomorrow, it will be a different year. Where I come from in Zambia, different churches compete to have me come and speak on the final Sunday. <laughs> and having come to minister or to speak here, I do not take it lightly. But sometimes, just to know what is right for the right uh, for the right time like this one is difficult. But God's grace is all sufficient. May I say, as I was praying and contemplating on what I should share, God took my mind to the book of St. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 6. John chapter 6. And we are reading from verse 1. John chapter 6, verse 1 <clears throat> to 14. Um, I know it is a long passage, but I will try to read it quickly and summarize where I can. Sometime after this, that is John chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. Verse 5. When Jesus looked up and saw a great cloud, and saw a great crowd of people coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind 
what he was going to do. Shall we pray? Gracious Father, we thank you that every time we have a challenging situation, every time we are in a new territory, every time we don't know what to do, every time we are overwhelmed, you already have a plan. And Lord, your plan does not change whether we are panicking about the situation. I thank you that even as we are getting ready to cross over into the other year, we do not know what that year will hold for us. But we know one thing, you already have a plan for each and every one of us. This morning, Lord, as I labor to preach your word, I ask you to speak through me. I ask you to touch me. Let your Holy Spirit overshadow me. Remove anything that may hinder me from ministering the way you want me to minister. May my words, Jehovah God, come from you. May I just be a vessel. Anoint our ability to listen, our ability to see, our ability to retain your word, that, Lord, we may see more, that, Lord, we may hear more, and that, Lord, we may have more from your word. In the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 <clears throat> so this passage which I have read goes on to say, Philip said, even one year's salary cannot feed all these people. And another disciple of Jesus was standing nearby. His name was Andrew. Andrew said, Lord, there is a boy with a little fish and bread. But even as he was presenting the, the little boy, I do not see him presenting the little boy from the eyes of faith, but from the eyes of doubting. So even what is there, Lord, is too little for the problem that we have at hand. But because he presented the little bread and fish, Jesus told the people to sit down, prayed for the little bread and fish, and then they, he, he, he gave them to share. They had plenty more than what they could finish eating. Such that at the end of the passage, we are told that they collected the 12 baskets of leftovers. And they never allowed anything to go to waste. This is a powerful story to me. It starts from seeing a need of not having anything. And it ends with a lot of things, with abundance. God who can move things from nothing to print. I am coming to tell you that sometimes I have suffered with the problem of seeing much of the problem than the solution. It is a common thing always to magnify the problem much more bigger than it is. 
This story, we are thinking about Jesus crossing from one side of the lake to the other. In my mind, I'm also thinking, Lord, this is a season we are preparing to cross as a church in Zambia. We are dreaming of the other side of the shore where things will look different. Back in Zambia, my role as bishop is to cast the vision and to mobilize the church to rally behind the vision and to mobilize all the required resources, both human resources and non-human resources that are materials. And as I cast the vision, God has given me three E's that have convinced me that these are the things that the Western church in Africa need. One E is to evangelize Africa and the whole world. We have participated as the Zambian church in establishing the Western church in Congo. We have participated as the Zambian church in establishing the Western church in Uganda. But we feel God is calling us to do much more in the area of evangelism. And that is our first E, evangelism. And I know this call to evangelism is not just for the Zambian church. Isn't it the call for the whole church in the world? I feel God is calling me to live to evangelize. The International Wesleyan Church is talking about making Christ known from everywhere to everywhere. That is part of evangelism. And that is what excites me so much is that I'm part and parcel of the church that believes in making Christ known. Amen. The second E that I'm so much uh, passionate about is education. One of the biggest challenges of Africa over the centuries has been either no education at all or poor education. And as a church, we have realized that we cannot evangelize the world if we do not invest in education enough. We are not talking about investing in theological education only, but investing in education at large, as it may require us in nursing, in theology, in education, in all other disciplines. This gives every community the power, the secret to any development that we may need is education. We are thankful to the International Wesleyan Church that has sponsored many people to study for their higher papers, but it is very expensive, I should confess that. Getting one Zambian student to learn at Indiana Wesleyan University will cost as much to have him here as it would cost to train 10 students on the African soil. So we are better off establishing a university in Zambia. 
because it will, give, it will make training ministers and other workers in the church who will do different things even outside the church much more cheaper. And it will prepare us for the days when we will not be able to send our people to train from outside Zambia. It will also help us to train people within their environment with the kind of education that is relevant to their environment. So we are so passionate about education. And we know that any other form of development that may take place in Africa will depend on education. Our last E, amongst the things we are so passionate about it, is economical empowerment. The church in Zambia is classified amongst the poor churches. But you will be surprised how much God has blessed the church in Zambia. I don't know how much land the Wesleyan Church in USA has, but I may say we may have more land than you do. <laughs> I do not believe that we are completely poor. We may not have money, but we have other things that God has blessed us with. We may not have everything it takes to transform the, those gifts that we have into monetary forms, but we have something. Amen. Let me come back to the passage which we have read. My message this morning to you is a call to more action. And I was excited I was, as I was seated that Pastor Chris was talking about more and more for the coming year 2024. My message today is a call to more action. Despite of all what I have talked about, I think God is calling me to more action. And I think God is calling you to more action. Thank you for sponsoring the six young people who went to attend the forum conference. Even as I was seated in that conference, what was coming to my mind is that God is still calling the Wesleyan church for something more. Amen. And for this more to come, we may have to do some more action as well for us to have this more. Jesus Christ in this passage, we are told that he had just healed a man in John chapter 5 who had been paralyzed for 38 years. And after that miracle touched many people's lives, Jesus crossed over to the other side of the sea. And multitudes of people followed him there. The moment he landed, the same people he had left on the other side, now more than the number, they had come to the other side. When you are trying to do something good, more will come. With every effort you are trying to be faithful as a church, more will come. Jesus' business on earth were people. Our business today is people. 
But every time we have more people, we also have more problems. <laughs> every person we see in life is a potential problem. So if you have a church of 200 people, you are likely to have 200 problems. <laughs> and Jesus Christ, as he was talking to his disciples, the first thing they saw on the other side of the lake were problems. When people were coming, Jesus asked them, where will we find the food? Where are we going to find the food to feed all these 5,000 problems? And, 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 and the Philippines' response was also from a problem. Seeing the problem from the point of view of the problem, Philip said, even one year's wages will not. There are times when we look at our own problems and the problems that surround us and conclude that there is nothing that can solve them. I have gone that direction before and several times in ministry. And I wished there was a time I overcame this completely. But even now as a national superintendent of the church, there are certain problems that I may face and think there is no solution to this. And I think even somebody who is seated in this congregation today, problems do not know any race. Problems do not know where you come from. Sometimes we might be facing problems that are threatening us to say, this is bigger than what can be solved. But I want you to know something. As Jesus is presenting this problem to his disciples, what are we going to do about this? The first thing that the first disciple said is that it is an it can't. This problem is unsolvable. But with any problem that comes in our life, our way, God already has a plan. Even when Jesus Christ was posing a question, he already had a plan. One of the reasons why problems seem to be bigger, it's because we think we can solve problems with our power. And Philip realized that their power was so limited. As human beings, we are limited in power. If we depend on our own power, we can never solve the problems. But I want to thank God that there was another disciple apart from Philip who did not just see the problem, who did not just see the limitation of power, but he saw very little potential. But I want to thank God that despite seeing very little potential, he saw some potential. He saw a little boy whose mother packed some lunch in some little lunchbox. And I don't know why this boy had not eaten his food from the time he left home. 
He was amongst the 5,000 children who, who, he was amongst the five, the children who accompanied the 5,000 men. Within the problem, there was little potential. But the size of the problem made the rest of the disciples not see this little potential. I'm praying that where we are seeing a bigger problem, may the Lord reveal the little potential that is there. This little boy who had little fish and, and bread had the little potential to solve the problem. No one knew that actually the solution was in the little boy's potential. Now, Jesus could have fed the people without needing, without getting the fish from the little boy. But I think he's teaching us something here. He will need our little effort. He will need our potential to solve our problems. Sometimes he will use our neighbor's little potential to solve our problems. How many times has God shown up to solve our problems through the people who live next door to us? Sometimes even young people in the church. Andrew said, here is a little boy. And the boy handed over the fish he had. And the fish didn't multiply right there. There was still need for another pea to turn the little potential into print. Yes, it was given to Jesus. But I, I want to learn a lot from what Jesus did with the little he was given. He prayed. He was God, fully God. He could have just said, let there be much more fish. Let there be much more bread. But it was for you and me that he prayed. So that we will learn that when we have little potential and we pray, we commit the little in the hands of God. God will multiply it. Whatever seems to be so little in our hands, when we give it to him, God will change it. There was a day a man who was a stammerer who didn't know how to speak fluently. A man who was running away from Pharaoh. A man who was thinking he was a nobody. A man who was thinking his life has come to an end and had only a stick in his hands. God said, put it on the ground. Remember before Moses put that stick on the ground. First of all, God called the ground where Moses was standing as holy ground. Every time we have a situation that is beyond our solutions, our human solutions, and we turn to God in faith, God turns that ground into holy. And everything in our hands, even that which we use to drive animals, Moses had a staff which he was using as a shepherd. God was saying, anything Moses that is in your hands, 
It has potential to deliver a nation if you put it on this ground which is holy. If it has connection with me, when we connect our little potential with the power of God, it will surprise us how much it will go. Through that stuff, Moses delivered the Israelites from Egypt into the promised land. And the little potential, when it is presented to God through prayer, it becomes plenty. From nothing to plenty. God is asking us for more action as we cross over into the year. God wants to turn what looks like nothing into plenty in our lives. And I don't know what it will look like in your eyes, in your culture. But I'm believing God in my culture that he, he is turning everything that I had underrated before into something big, into something that will surprise me. God is turning my failures into successes. He is turning my doubts into steps, stepping stones of faith. The passage closes with a warning. Sometimes when God has provided so much, we become careless. The people who were now satisfied, Jesus said we have nothing to waste. Pick the leftovers. And the Bible doesn't tell us where the leftovers were taken. But it's God who is concerned even with what has been left. Even what we have left is still important in God's sight. In the kingdom of heaven, there are no leftovers that are thrown to waste. Sometimes <clears throat> there are people in life who have classified themselves as leftovers the least, the unlovable. People ate whatever they wanted and they were left as leftovers. But my God is saying, he wants to account for you. He wants to account for anyone who feels like I'm a leftover. God is saying, I want to account for you. A perfect number of baskets were picked 12. How many apostles were there? How many disciples were there? 12. How many sons of Jacob made up the nation of Israel? 12. The baskets, each disciple had a basket dedicated to himself. In the kingdom of God, there is no leftover to waste. Now, God is calling us for more action, especially as we cross over into the new year. But sometimes we see more problems. Sometimes we see little potential. Sometimes we see that we don't have power. But I want to say, 
if we turn to Jesus Christ in prayer, if we surrender everything, our problems, our limited power, even the little potential that we see, God will turn into, into plenty. Sometimes we feel we are rejects and leftovers. And God is still saying, I want to correct you. I still have use for you. I don't know what he was going to do. Whether he was doing that to just make sure that the environment where they were eating from remained clean. But I want to say, everything, everyone, everybody matters to God. There is no leftover. And there are times in our lives when we feel my problems are too big, my potential is too little. There are times when we think I'm a leftover. And Jesus is saying, I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to add the potential. After having spoken like this, I would like to pray with you. I don't know from everything that I have said, if there is anything that you would say, Lord, you have spoken to me in a different way. Either I had lived a negative life because of the problems around me, or either I felt like I'm a leftover. Or you are believing God for something and you just have little strength and you say, Lord, I want to try with this little I have. Here I am. I expect much more, plenty of your presence, more of your presence, more of your power in my life. I don't know how you <coughs> conduct the outer cause here, but I would love to pray with you. Can I pray with you where you are? And if you are saying, Lord, I want to be prayed for where I am, maybe as the band would lead us in any quiet song, I'll ask you to stand where you are and we'll pray with you. Amen. Whoever says, Lord, I would love to be prayed for in view of this message, I'll ask you to connect by faith. If you may stand where you are as we close our eyes, I'll pray for you right now. Um, and if there is any other way Pastor Chris would love us to pray, uh, this is your pulpit. <clears throat> if you are able, you may lift your hands wherever you are. Maybe before I even pray for all of you who are standing, some of us feel like we are leftovers because we do not have a relationship with Christ. We have wandered away from Christ. And Christ is saying, I'm ready to forgive you now. I'm ready to accept you back if you had wandered away. Or I'm ready to accept you for the first time in the kingdom of heaven. So if you are seeking his forgiveness right now, you can also join those who are standing. If you want to renew your relationship with him, you can join those that are standing. Shall we pray? 
Gracious Father, thank you for this opportunity that you gave us to come and celebrate you as we wind up the year. We are being ushered into the year we've never known before. It will be altogether a new territory to each one of us. It will be a new territory to the church, but we are believing you for much more. I want to intercede on behalf of my brothers and sisters, my fathers and mothers who are saying, Lord, I am here to answer a call for more action. I am here to present my problems, my limitations, my little potential, believing that, Lord, as I connect with you in prayer, much more is coming. Touch Jehovah God every hand, every soul that is standing right now. Please, Lord, minister to each and every one of them right at the point of need. Bless every believing heart right now with much more. Much more of your presence. Much more of your power. Much more of your anointing. Even a much more closer relationship with you, Lord. And Lord, we pray, even those that feel rejected, if there is any, everyone who came to you was changed for the better. Bless your church, Lord. We are standing here to connect with you and for your touch. Bless like View Wesleyan Church, bless its leadership. Thank you, Jesus, for visiting us in your own special way, for ministering to us in your own special way. In Jesus' name, we thank you and pray. Amen.